Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today I am super excited uh, and stoked to be joined by Pastor Hector Miri, Hector Miri from Faith and Fandom. He's coming to us from Skype down in the U.S. Hector, how are you doing today, sir? Doing good, man. Glad to be here. <laughs> glad, you're, glad you're here, and uh, I've, I've said it over Instagram, uh, you're... You were one of the inspirations to me in getting getting to do this. I'm super into fandom stuff, uh, lifelong Star Wars fan and all that, and I write about stuff, but a friend of mine introduced me to you, uh, the Faith and Fandom books, and how you look at it and find the gospel in Jesus through comic books and stuff in a way that's not forced and authentic, so I'm like, I, I gotta hear more of this guy's stuff. So that's, that's wicked that you do that. Uh, totally fanboying out right now so <laughs> i do it all the time don't feel bad <laughs> uh so to dive in can you share a bit with us about your testimony like broad testimony or just faith and fandom uh broad testimony there will be faith and fandom questions coming okay <laughs> i uh grew up in a non-christian home uh neither of my parents were believers um My parents were kind of real distant. My dad was a soldier stationed at a distance. Oh, wow. My mom was a uh, factory worker. And so, like, if she was home, she was asleep. So I pretty much was, like, latchkey kid most of my life. Okay. Um, I got involved with a local church um, when I was about 12 or 13, and I legitimately only went because there was a cute girl. (laughs) (laughs) There was a there was a lock in, which is you know one of those events where they keep you in a building for twelve hours or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I went to that one event uh, with the specific mindset that if I'm locked in a building with this girl for twelve hours, I can wear her down, <laughs> and um, like she will like me by the end of the night, and um, so that that was my game plan, and I went and uh like actually heard the gospel really presented for the first time. And I was like, Oh, that, that sounds right. Like, um, yeah, it felt like the truth. And, um, uh, there's my favorite movie of all time is almost famous. And okay. there's a line in almost famous where, uh, Kate Hudson says, says the truth just sounds different. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember the first time I heard the gospel, like, it's like, that's the truth. And, uh, so, became a believer that night and uh stayed involved in youth ministry throughout that that small church uh it was eventually discipled by a guy who ran a uh ministry that would become a bible camp nice and, uh, there's a there's a network of bible camps called cbm that runs i think they're in 11 states and uh and they were going to build one about 12 miles from where i lived and so I came on, I went through high school with the mindset of like serving with that. And I was, uh, I was 17 at a OC Supertones concert and, um, the, the drummer, Jason Carson, who's a pastor now and, um, presented a message telling people just to basically stop sucking at their faith. And, um, <laughs> And actually followed through with what God, God called them to do. So, you know, that night I was like, all right, God, I'm going to serve wherever you want. And then, man, I was like two weeks later, I was riding on a bus with a dude, the, one of the guys who had mentored me. And um, he hated everything about the ministry he was serving in. And he spent um, 
literally about two hours arguing and fussing and complaining about the ministry that was getting started. Mm -hmm. And through the middle of him doing all of that argument and fussing, I was like, I literally felt like the Spirit of God to say, all right, that's what I want you to do. And even though I just heard this dude complain for two hours, um, it was this confident moment of where I know this is what God wants me to do. And so I, I graduated high school with the intentions of being a, uh, a, a children's missionary working at Bible camps. Um, the, the, their program actually, uh, you do Bible camp in the summer, and then they it's a process called release time where you actually get to teach Bible classes in the public schools here. What? Um, you don't get to teach it um, necessarily where, like, in the classroom, but they'll have, like, a, a tractor-trailer type situation where wow. um, a, uh, it looks like a church inside. And awesome. so it has, like, a ton of little pews and stuff like that. And so you bring the kids in there, and they get to leave class and go – because there's a law somewhere in the books – that mm-hmm. states everyone is allowed 52 hours of religious education per school year. Like, this is nationwide. It's a it's an everywhere thing. Um, that you're allowed to miss 52 hours of class time for religious education. Um, We've uh, got but, nothing like that up here. <laughs> uh, but it, it takes a mountain of paperwork mm-hmm. and red tape to get to that point. Yeah, I could only imagine. Um, every year you have to get like a, the school superintendent to sign off on it, the entire school board, then every individual principal um, to agree to it. And so it's, you know, that that was the thing that I got involved into. Like we ran, you know, I, I knew I was going to get involved in that and went right out of uh, high school into Bible college, started teaching those classes, running camp and um I was a camp director for about nine years and mainly focusing on teen discipleship and uh, student ministry in that way. And uh, somewhere around there, I uh, got involved with a college ministry doing some part-time stuff with that and um, eventually became a college pastor and Mm -hmm. um, started a college ministry at the local university and uh, did that for altogether college-wise did 11 years of campus ministry there and oh my goodness <laughs> and uh now i've been a pastor with the church i'm at going on three years that's so great and like broad shell there oh hey no i i one of the things i love with the podcast medium is i love conversations with people and when you just do interviews in the tech space like i used to do it on my website you lose a lot of that side stuff when you're trying to narrow it down so i love hearing more about people so thank you for sharing all that man that's that's terrific what's it what's uh how's your church involved with in the community down there you're part of vertical church and i know we can i've done some loose looking up online but it's it's multi-site or okay so the way our (laughs) church works with that is a it's one church in three locations. Nice. Which, so we uh, we have our main location, which is in uh, Lumberton, North Carolina. We have a, a location in 
blatant community. Not that these locations matter. We have three <laughs> locations, like, like you're going to show up at these places. Um, but we have three locations that are about 20 miles apart in different communities, but they're vastly different communities. Right. Um, our one, we have a location that's on a college campus, um, and it's the same college campus that I was a campus pastor at for 11 years. That's pretty um, and cool. That actually, why they kind of reached out to me is because of my connection with that, that I had that connection with them already mm-hmm. to be able to establish that on the college level. So they, uh, they wanted to be able to tap in together with that. Um, and, but we have one main communicator. Um, and so the way that works is like my church, my Lumberton location has a service at nine and a service at 11 are then 20 miles down the road. There's a service at 11 again. And then (laughs) that evening, 6 PM, there's a service, um, at the college campus. So, uh, at nine o'clock, there's all the main communicator, whoever's communicating that day, whether it's me or anybody else, um, will speak at nine and either a video of nine o'clock goes <laughs> to the 11 o'clock mm-hmm. or stays where we're at. So it's a, it's a coin toss every other Sunday. So 11 o'clock is either live or video wow. and six o'clock in the evening is always live. And, um, but like my job is the location pastor is that to specifically take care of and shepherd my congregation, um, right. our lumber congregation. And, uh, you know, if someone's sick, if, you know, there needs to be done, putting up, put us, putting us involved in the community, mm-hmm. uh, doing all of that just to be able to, uh, to, you know, watch out for that because it's really easy if we're moving across all these different areas to, um, to, for people to fall through the cracks and so they, they set that up specifically so that nobody falls through the cracks and um, that's great I'm also in charge of uh, our uh, social media I'm in charge of uh, some of our outreaches and um, kind of all over the board with that right well heck you they definitely got the right guy for the social media you know that stuff big time <laughs> Yeah, well, it's uh, our guy who does our social media. Like, I don't make the posts. I just kind of pitch ideas and scheduling them because, like, the guy who uh, does our social media design is way better at, like, Photoshop and editing and stuff like that. And um, But, like, I just make sure it goes out. Right, um, right. But, like, we uh, uh, about two hours of our my day today was, like, pitching ideas for videos um, for our series and... Um, stuff like that and before faith and fandom i'm not telling you to look this up um, (laughs) but before faith and fandom i did a personal web series for about two or three years okay um if you've ever seen uh felicia days um she had her own uh vlog series for a while and she was one of the first people i saw that really did that oh and um so I saw her, like, it literally after I saw her first episode of her vlog, I'm like, ooh, I could do something like that. <laughs> and um, so for a couple of years I did it, and it was called, like, Hector's Five-Minute Frenzy. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would always do, like, a five-minute quick uh, vlog and have, like, a one-minute devotional in each one. Awesome. And, like, I'd travel around and do that. And it was actually uh, 
that web series is one of the main reasons our, my church wanted to hire me. Like, I did a stupid web series for fun, and the church, but my college connections and that web series actually kind of prodded them on to be able to want to hire me. That's, Lord, the Lord's using you to engage in different ways, man. They're like, we can't do that, but that cat can. Let's, let's get him. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, I wanted to be involved with this church when it launched. It launched seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't hear about it until I'd already taken a full-time pastor position with the college church. Right. And, um, and I got hired at my church two weeks before they announced this church. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, and I, I wanted to be along. I wanted to be a part of that, but you know, I knew I was where I was supposed to be. So mm-hmm. um, I think the timing worked out well. The season I came in in this church um, was pretty much as good as it could have gotten for, for me and for me to fill the right roles and everything. Perfect. Thank you. So are there any um, specific pastors or theologians or even artists that you learn from that you'd recommend for people? <sighs> All right. Uh, C.S. Lewis is a big one for me um, just because he covers such a dynamic, just, just such a dynamic goal of stuff because uh he's got his like straight up theology books like mere christianity mm-hmm. and um but then the way he tells stories with stuff like uh with uh, the great divorce you know and things like the weight of glory those are like you know even with like screw tape letters coming mm-hmm. from that perspective um but then um you know and then narnia for me uh narnia is just one of the best storytelling mediums with intentionality like mm-hmm. that you know if you, if you research it you know he uh he did narnia specifically to help his granddaughter be able to understand god um wow i didn't know that he wrote yeah he wrote narnia but narnia basically so his granddaughter would be able to understand the gospel better and put it into a way that she could digest it mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's things like that and the fact that you know he sat at a, a pub with tolkien and they discussed their writings together yeah. as they were going and um stuff like that but then you know like even for me on a theological level you know i went to bible college i did all of that and then but like the the last battle helped me understand things that i couldn't learn in bible college mm-hmm. like book seven of narnia and then um even recently uh i had somehow missed the fact that c.s lewis before narnia wrote a sci-fi trilogy yeah i i haven't read it i have one of the books and I know that, like, I'm an Iron Maiden fan, and one of their songs was based loosely on the book, Out of the Silent Planet. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And, uh, <laughs> and you know, that's... I read the first book, and it was... You could tell it was sci-fi before sci-fi was a thing. <laughs> um, because when it's talking about the space travel and everything else, and I'm reading this, and I'm like... Man, this was pre-Star Trek. This was pre-everything else. This was pre-everything we know, sci-fi. And the fact that in a lot of ways, C.S. Lewis was like an originator of mm-hmm. sci-fi as a genre. But then um, the second book in that series, um, Paralandra, it had some of the most vivid and beautiful just portrayals of word to image I've ever seen. Like It's one of those things that when you read it, you think... Um, they can't possibly turn this into a movie. Like, um, 
Like, I know, I've, I, when I was reading Ready Player One, I didn't expect that to be able to be made into a movie. Mm-hmm. And it, it's going to be. And But this is, like, even beyond that, I don't think it's one of those stories you could actually translate. But um, yeah. C.S. Lewis is a big uh, author, theologian, that I, that really motivates my heart. Um, certain Donald Miller books, mm. uh, uh you know, I can't I can't hundred percent subscribe to everything Donald Miller believes or stands with theologically per se. Mm-hmm. But um the fact the way he shares his stories, um even if I don't agree, they challenge me into my own thinking. Mm-hmm. Um like uh his book Father Fiction, which uh was originally called To Own a Dragon. Total weird name shit. <laughs> uh, what? But um it, it was a book on dealing with, like, uh, having dad issues, about growing up without a father, what that does to people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I read it when it was To Own a Dragon. And then um, somehow or another that book got got him a job working for Obama on, the, uh, on a task force what? for fatherlessness in America. What? Yeah, um, which is why the name shift in the book. Because, you know, Obama hired him because of father fiction. Yeah. Uh, or because of uh, To Own a Dragon. But they're like, hey, uh, if we're going to put, like, the presidential approval on this and everything else, let's come up with a <laughs> less fantasy-sounding title. So father fiction became a thing. Yeah. But, um, and honestly, his most recent book, Scary Close, um, literally changed a lot of my heart and motivation in relationships. Um, it's a book on uh, being authentic in relationships. Um, let's see. Well, it's Francis Chan. Everything he's done. Fran Chan the man. <laughs> uh, I, you know, John Acuff's stuff that Christians like. Oh, my uh, gosh. I he's done a lot. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I've loved all of, you know, I, I appreciate all of his, you know, self-help stuff. Like mm-hmm. start, finish, and do over. I, you know, good. High five. I get that. <laughs> but, um. Stuff Christians like is my jam. And, um, Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I've been I've been recommending that to people just like you're on the inside joke, but it's so funny but thought provoking and convicting at the same time and like it doesn't set you up for it because you're like, Oh, I'm gonna have a laugh while I read this and then that's that makes you comfortable and then you're just walloped a couple times. And there's there's enough good humor in it mm-hmm. that it makes um a really big impact. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, oh, and if I could say Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, the guy who did The Cost of Discipleship, um, dude, just re- re- reading about this guy's life, you know, like, if, I don't know if you know much about Bonhoeffer, but... I don't know as much. Uh, one of my buddies will, when he hears this later, be like, okay, we're having a conversation. <laughs> but I meant, like, he was one of the guys that tried to assassinate Hitler. And like a, I don't remember the name of it. There was a Tom Cruise movie a little while back about an assassination plot on Hitler. I remember, yeah. I just don't know the title. Yeah, I don't either. When he was a thing with a briefcase and dropping it off in a, like a closed room. Right. That that's actually Bonhoeffer's story. Don Bonhoeffer was a spy evangelist. Like he was <laughs> part of the Christian Church. That was like one of the greatest teachers of theology, but he also tried to kill Hitler. I'm just, um, I'm waiting for the Kingstone comic version of this story 
Because, yeah. <laughs> but and that's that's one of those things. The Bonhoeffer stuff, and uh, I love Bonhoeffer. Um, it's super challenging. And then um, Ravi Zacharias. Mm. I like listening to him. Mm-hmm. I keep read his books. Um, mm. just because I, I following his tone and his pattern and hearing it is a lot different than reading it. I'm the same with Matt Chandler. I really, I really love his stuff. I can listen to it. He, like a friend of mine's, like he writes like he preaches, but there's a difference between hearing it and then trying to read it. I got, I was struggling to get through the first chapter. I'm like, this is just, this is dense. I can understand it better when I hear it. Whereas yeah. Francis Chan, he's the same, but his writing style is also very accessible. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing those, man. Like, oh, oh. I, now I got more C.S. Lewis stuff to check out and Bonhoeffer. <laughs> well, it's, it's you know, honestly, like most of the good theology I you know, picked up on, I picked up on because of um, bands talking about them. Mm. Um, like the OC Supertones were a band I really loved when I was growing up. And like they talked about reading C.S. Lewis books. Right. And, um, then, uh, you know, I think they might have also talked about Bonhoeffer. I don't know. Um, but you know, it's one of those things that I picked up on some of those because of that. I can, I can definitely understand that. I know, uh, I'm huge into like one, one six and Lecrae's earlier stuff and not knocking his newer stuff. It's just, I prefer the older stuff. And with that, it made me so much more interested in checking out Dr. Piper. And I, I love John Piper. I love his stuff. I don't always agree with the conclusions he jumps to, but it's still something that I can get a lot of and grow from. And the music they were doing was like dropping specific references to that as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, D- not not shooting down Piper. Listeners, don't 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 go uh, don't go on me. <laughs> um, let's talk about faith and fandom, man. Uh, when did when did it start, and kind of how did it come about? Because the first book. And I think you wrote in it, you were saying it was a collection of essays that you had done over the years? Um, well, primarily, uh, I'd say the real start of it was uh, June 2013. Um, I had uh, gone to a, my first, not my first, but it was the first Comic-Con I ever went to was a, a big one in our region called Heroes Con. It's one of the biggest, it's the biggest in the Carolinas, um, but uh, I'd gone there for three years, and um, my third year, I, I had made some acquaintances and people that I knew there and stuff, and it just really hit on me. I was like, man, there is like zero gospel presence here, mm-hmm. and you know, and that's the thing, the, the friends that I had made doing it, like just going to the shows... Like, I knew there were other believers. Like, I, I knew that there were other Christians, but there was nothing that could connect their fandoms and, mm-hmm. you know, their where their heart was with God. And, um, you know, I, I thought I should do something about that. And um, prior to that, though, uh, the, I guess the seed was planted with uh, the show Firefly. Um, I loved Firefly a lot. And Shepard Book is one of my favorite fictional characters. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, you know, being that Joss Whedon is such a, a stout atheist, but at the same time to write such a well-represented man of faith, I was mm-hmm. like, 
like I feel like there's a lot I can learn from this. And so I got the idea, like you know, once I'd got through Firefly, of, um, which was probably like six years earlier, like 2006 maybe. Um, I got into it right after the movie when the movie came to DVD when Serenity came to DVD. Um, but I I just had this idea I was going to do a a devotional on Firefly, just on Firefly, and call it. Um, by the book, A Shepherd's Guide to Firefly. Um, <laughs> that, that was my idea, but I was like, you know, I had like three ideas, and then I was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't have time for this, or I don't want to do it. At that point, I was uh, pretty heavy in camp ministry and everything else I was doing, um, and married, and, you know, I think at that point, I was, I already had a, a newborn. I, I had two kids at that point. Gosh. Um, oh gosh, so I had two kids, marriage, everything else. I was just, I wasn't really thinking about it. But um, after that last time I went to Heroes Con, it really hit me that there's a void here and I can fill it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then right after that, I got tapped by a Bible camp in Tennessee that uh, asked me if I would come do a week of camp and that their theme was superheroes and they said uh you know and i told them i was like well does this do you want me to do like you know call people in the bible superheroes or can i actually do superheroes yeah Um, yeah and they're like no do what you want to do and so i had already gotten that notion of like i'm gonna do this book i'm gonna get this out i'm gonna take this to comic cons and so um I wrote my whole week's messages for that camp specifically to be the first uh, part, the first installment of Faith and Fandom. So actually, uh, the first eight chapters of book one uh, are that summer camp thing. Interesting. So like uh, like chapters one through eight of Faith and Fandom volume one were exactly word for word verbatim what I did at for that summer camp in Tennessee. Um, and so that was just the superhero section. And then, you know, I sat down and I took those three Firefly ideas I had forever ago mm-hmm. and did that. And I was watching Battlestar Galactica at that point and um, a few other things and all the other stuff that I was going through. Oh, and I'd just gotten into Doctor Who. And oh, so... Um, Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that took my family. That's probably my family's biggest uh, thing now. Um but, you know, it, that was kind of the start of it. It was that I saw this void at this at this con. It's the only con I'd ever gone to at that point. And I saw this void and thought that I could fill it. But I, I didn't think it was going to be an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be, I'm going to do this, make this, and I'm going to take it to one show, and it's over. Right. But like, literally, that was my game plan. It was like, all right, you know, I went there in June. I was like, all right. One year from now, I'm going to show up with a book. I bring it to this event. I'm going to do this outreach, cash out. Thought I'll be done. Um, so I worked on it, uh, published the book in January because I had no idea what I was doing, and uh, went through the process. You know, I spent like six months trying to figure out how the publishing process and everything else, and. Uh, started getting my stuff together and I did one show before 
mm-hmm. Heroes Con um, because my local comic book shop, which isn't local, it's like almost two hours away. Um, but uh, it was my favorite comic book shop, and they do a at that point they did a every year a huge event for Free Comic Book Day. Um, right. Like where they would um, they would bring out like a circus tent and fill it with video games. Oh my gosh. And, they would have um, they would bring actual comic book artists to come do free sketches for people and they would have professional wrestlers with a wrestling ring fighting in the parking lot and um, I mean they, they they treated Comic Con like it was or free comic book day like it was the biggest event ever that was my first event that uh first weekend of May in 2014 and then I did I did Heroes Con that year which is that show and uh response was really good mm-hmm. uh you know uh the the initial investment was a lot because you know didn't know how much it was going to cost and like just just a table space at that event for the smallest table was three hundred dollars wow so <laughs> um which sadly isn't the most expensive thing i've paid for booths <laughs> um but the cheapest Goodness. table was three hundred dollars and um it's such a big show. They they average twenty five to thirty thousand people, um, and so a lot of people would have started with us. Work your way to the big one. And I'm like, yeah, it's just. I was like, if I'm gonna do this, I might as well do the big show. Right. Um, and the response was so good. Of like, I made all my money back. I don't know if I made a profit, but I, I paid for everything. You broke even. Is, yeah, that that's a win for me. Yeah. Um, and but. A guy who ran the biggest show in Myrtle Beach, which is another two hours away, but um, a chapel service at my con, mm-hmm. and and he wanted me to basically come and take over his chapel service for his Comic Con. And so before I even finished that show, I kept having doors open of other comic book con of other people that ran Comic Cons coming by the booth saying, "Hey, we want you at our show." And so what intended to be a one-time event turned into, like, um, I think the first year I did, I think I did maybe six events the first year, from, like, June until December. And then um, it, I, it kept going, and I, I started working on another book uh, probably that October. And uh, right about that time, I, book one was the only book out. Mm-hmm. I got approached by um, Screen Junkies slash Clever Movies. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Clever Movies had a web series at that point called Fanboy Face Off. Okay. Oh, okay. I haven't seen well, it, but I've heard of it. I'm really into Screen Junkies. So. Yeah. This, um, but Screen Junkies, Clever Movies, they're all um, different branches of one company called The Fine Media. Yeah. Well, the Fine Media hit me up because they were doing a show called Fanboy Face Off, and it was supposed to be a show where uh, a host argues who would win in a fight with a superhero or a villain. Right. Uh, but they didn't have enough people on their staff that actually knew what they were talking about. <laughs> um, and they didn't want nerds hosting it, they wanted attractive people. Um, like, you know, modelish looking young ladies and such. Right. Posting. And so, like, it, you could tell there was some lack of authenticity there. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those hosts, though, 
is someone I went to high school with and did theater with and grew up together in youth group. And so, and she was also a producer at Defy Media. Um, and so uh, she had bought my first book uh, right after it came out. And uh, it was right around that same time I was writing book two that uh, they're like, hey, we like the way you write. Uh, we want you to script the show for us. And so they hired me to uh, write all of their episodes of Fanboy Face Off. And, oh my goodness. Uh, and so like, I went from like writing a tiny book to uh, I had to weekly turn in like two or three episodes of a TV series. Um, and so, but the cool thing was getting paid to do that made me, one, I became a better writer because I had to write a lot and I got it more experience, but it paid for all of the Comic-Con stuff. So I was able to get shirts. I was able to go to more Comic-Cons. I was able to travel. Instead of just doing stuff within a two-hour radius, I could do stuff that was like four or five, six, seven hours away, travel, hotels, all that stuff. Um, That's crazy. <laughs> and so, uh, and then I got notoriety for being their screenwriter at other Comic Cons. So people that didn't want me for Face of Fandom would let me be there for Screen Junkies. Um, and that's the thing, I did it for two years under Clever Movies. Mm -hmm. And then um, Clever Movies liked what we were doing so much. Or, sorry, Screen Junkies, which were, it's the same corporation, mm -hmm. but a different branch. Yeah. Um, Screen Junkies liked what we were doing so much that they bought us out. Okay. So, uh, Clever Movies was absorbed into Screen Junkies. and Is that um, where the movie fights thing that's there now came from? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and so, because uh, uh, I, mean, I, I, I didn't just do those. We ended up doing things like... Uh, seven things that need to happen in this movie or seven right. things you don't know about this or stuff like that. And, you know, I, we branched out, but, uh, screen junkies offered me to continue to write if I moved to LA. Yeah. Cause they're, they're stationed out of there. I, I watch a lot of their screen junkies news. Ju yeah. I enjoy that kind of thing. And they well, all screen junkies news mm -hmm. is what I used to do. Oh um, my goodness. Before it was called Screen Junkies News. Right. It was clever news and clever movies. Okay. And, but at that point, they were hiring writers mm -hmm. to write for the people on camera. Mm -hmm. Screen Junkies was like, no, we're just going to, if you're writing, you're going to come on camera and talk about it. Well, and, yeah, as you were talking earlier about the, like, we want the model aesthetic, like, not knocking anybody who's on Screen Junkies News, not... But it's not that. They're not looking like presentable news people or like the model not, aesthetic. Not now. Yeah, not now. Um, not now. <laughs> uh, but when it was Clever Movies, they wanted, I mean, they wanted, you know, attractive hosts. Right. They wanted, they wanted girls that were going to get clicks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's good marketing. That's not a bad thing, but I think the nerd and geek community has... You know, they 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 buy more into authenticity than they do yeah funny um, packages yeah um, <laughs> and so but that that actually I got to a point where I really wanted to quit doing this altogether after book two just because I was um I was writing like 
I was writing like it was a full-time job because I was writing for Clever all day long when I had free time to the point that it felt like a burden to do the books. Um, right. But I was doing the screenwriting so I could do the books. <laughs> so I, I had to get an attitude adjustment. And, um, I mentioned something about, you know, I feel like this is going to be my last one. And some uh, a, a girl who had read my books – I only had two at that point. A girl who had read my books heard that, and she chewed me out royally um, in the name of God. Um, <laughs> she, she's like, don't you freaking dare. Um, this changes lives. And, and like, she she reamed me bad. And, like, I was like, all right, fine. Cool, and, reamed um, you bad, but, but in love. <laughs> in love. But, but in love. And uh, so, you know, just kept going. And, you know, we we've been doing this now for – four full years going on our fifth year of actual cons and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're at like 28 comic cons a year now, which is um, crazy. <laughs> so, you know, it's in some weekends I'll have two shows in a weekend. Like I'll do uh, different stuff. And, um, and out, out of those 28 shows a year for, you know, at least three years, I've only not been present at two of them. Um, <laughs> And there were two shows that I had friends take a version of our booth with them. And, um, you know, so it's it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of weekends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's it's going good. And just it, it's been one of those great things of seeing impact slowly. Yeah. And, uh, because, you know. It's one thing for people to buy a book and take it home, and you know, to come back read it, stuff like that. That's that's an impact all on its own. Um, but like one of our bigger impacts, really, is basically that we kind of establish ourselves as like the chaplains of the Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Not that we go and harass people, but like when we when people in artist alley or exhibitor booths at Comic Cons, when they're having problems in their marriage, they'll come talk to us. Like I've legitly done, I've done marriage counseling for Comic Con artists. Like there's an artist that draws for Archie. Oh my goodness! Has you know marriage problems, and you know I, we've literally tried to help them through their marriage problems. Or um, there was one artist that uh, he he works for Iron Man. Um, he's currently working on some stuff for Venom, and you know like he's involved right now working for Marvel, and you know there was. My, that first year, uh, we did a show and we were booth mates, like we were side by side. And he was he was bitter. He was angry at God. He was angry about some stuff that had happened in their life. And he he was a little salty that we were beside him. <laughs> and, and but like we had some like genuine good conversation and tried to encourage him, like man within a year he had turned back to god within a year later he was active in church and within a, within that next year this year we're in right now he's like actively uh serving and doing like evangelism at the cons and uh to the point where like we're supposed to collaborate this year to work on a book together like where i do some writing and i get like an actual marvel artist to draw things um, that's amazing and, and so we've we've got like a little we've got like a, a small click laundry list of people who have 
who have like actually been impacted and done that. And then like, I mean, there's little things like, uh, there was a, a couple that, um, found our books online. Uh, I'd never met them mm-hmm. and they drove almost six hours to hear me speak at a comic con. And, um, then they got married probably two years after that. And they asked me if I would read a chapter from one of the books as part of their wedding ceremony. What? So um, there, there's a chapter in book two on a uh, doctor who and things I've learned about relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they had me read that chapter as part of their wedding ceremony. And so, I mean, it's, it's been one of those things where like, it's still a lot of work. It's still a grind. It's trying to do it, but like, there's been so much fruit and things have come from it that, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay with it until God tells me to stop. Um, thankfully the church that I work for, uh, knew I was doing this when I got hired. Yeah. And so I was like, look, just where are we at with this? If you hire me, are you down for the cause? And, um, you know, they're supportive. In fact, this past summer we did, uh, two or three chapters from the books um, for our summer, we did a summer blockbuster series. I so, I um, saw on the website. I hadn't gotten a chance to listen. I was trying to look through because I'm like, I love your stuff written. And I'm like, I gotta, I want to hear you preach and the yeah. the other pastors as well because it it's good to be yeah. fed. <laughs> but like um, this past summer, we yeah. did that summer blockbuster series. The um, there's a Captain America message that's literally the the chapter from book four. Um, My gosh. Like verbatim. And then um, there's a Wonder Woman uh, sermon from that same series, which is the book, the Wonder Woman chapter from book five. Um, which uh, comes out next so, year. <laughs> yeah. That'll be out oh, in May. This and, year. Right. Yeah. I'm still thinking it's last year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's one of those things I had to edit. Like I had already written out what the idea I was doing for the book, but I had to edit it because uh, I couldn't do spoilers. For Wonder Woman in the in the sermon, yeah. So I had to change a little bit because um, the movie was too new at that point. Um, but yeah, it's just my church has embraced it. My my wife is good with it. Um, uh, my kids understand, and that's one of the things that my kids are getting older, and uh, you know they're getting into having their own plays and dance recitals mm-hmm. and uh, competitions and stuff like that, soccer games, and I'm like, I'm scaling back on some shows just so I can still be here and like not miss my family. Cause it would be stupid if I keep doing this and miss out on my family. Yeah. So it, it's learning to balance all of that. That's, that's awesome. And that's, that's a humble thing to share, man. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. And the other stuff I'm like, I want to, sorry, I just knocked over a thing that was charging my phone. Uh, where the questions are like, I'm excited to see that book and thank you for sharing some of those stories. Um, actually answered a bunch of my next questions within that one. I'm which sorry. Oh, don't you dare apologize. <laughs> we would have gotten it. Um, so who are some of your favorite comic book characters or some of your shows? I know you mentioned Doctor Who and Firefly. Like, what are some of your favorite movies? And I know you, you go into the reviews on the podcast, and I enjoy that. Uh, I know... I didn't enjoy The Last Jedi as much as you did, but you were articulating your points well, where I'm like, I can see it. I just... So, 
it's fun to talk about. Uh, so who are some of your favorites? <laughs> um, I'm I'm a I'm a DC fanboy, mm-hmm. so uh, you know unapologetically. But I, I I see all I see all the flaws, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> like uh, I think if just giving like my favorite movies, period, probably like Almost Famous is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, The Dark Knights. Uh, I'll say I'll say Serenity in there just because of Firefly. Um. I don't know. I, I, I'm a big fan of. I, I just like a good story. Like, yeah, and that's one of the things that I'm seeing, like in the the current climate, is that I'm a lot more prone to watch a series than I am a movie. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, um, like I, I'm to the point now that if I don't pay to watch a movie in theaters, I'll never watch it. Like, not even on Netflix. Wow. Like, like um. Because I feel like it's just not enough story for me to care. Hmm. If it's not an experience that's worth my money, I'm probably just going to watch a rerun of Justified or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's one of those things. But like, my family's really big into Doctor Who. Um, our third daughter is named after a Doctor Who character. Um, our our second daughter is named after a Firefly character. And <laughs> um, we weren't quite geeks on that level when we had our first daughter. Um, <laughs> But it was to the point that my wife, um, yeah, my wife doesn't care. Like she, she's nerdy enough that she's down with the, you know naming our kids after fictional characters, um, <laughs> stuff like that. I really, you know, I, I mean, I, I love a lot of comedy stuff, but like I get seasons where I want to watch comedies. Like uh, after I finished book four, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to just like purge myself and stop being focused for a minute so like i watched all of the office all of parks and rec all of 30 rock and um <laughs> and all of the it crowd like in a right. three month window um <laughs> which those are pretty much my favorite comedies um but you know i i like i like a lot of anti-hero stuff um red hood is probably my favorites um one of my favorite characters, like I'd say, my favorite characters, period, are River Song from Doctor Who, uh, Red Hood, Krillin from Dragon Ball Z, hmm. and a uh, Shepherd Book. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm kind of all over the place. I'm a, and I've my, I've really gotten into uh, My Hero Academia lately. Okay. Uh, uh, read the entire manga run in about a week. Um, there's I think there's. 10 or 11 books I read all of those and um over Christmas break my family watched all three seasons of the anime oh my gosh so like sat down as a family and like all five of us and watched it I'm gonna get the name of that just because um I work for a, a social work agency in Hamilton called Living Rock Ministries and in March we're doing a, a comic-con event and they're yeah. like, hey, you're into comics and stuff. You plan this. I'm like, okay. Um, so, and I I know a couple of the kids there are crazy into anime, and I I just don't know it as much. So, what was the name of that one? Just so I've got my, some stuff to throw on. It's uh, My Hero Academia. Okay. Like, uh, and it's, it's one of the newer ones, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it's basically Harry Potter for superheroes. That's interesting. <laughs> um, 
there's uh, it, it's basically in the voice I got introduced to it uh, when I met Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z this year um, he voices uh, the main superhero on um, oh my on my hero uh, but uh, basically uh, at some point 80% of the world got superpowers um, so 80% of Earth's population have what they call quirks mm-hmm. uh, and it's a generic superpower but um, you're not allowed to use it in public much like wizards aren't allowed to use magic in Harry Potter and if you want to be a superhero you actually have to go to superhero school you have to test into it and you have to uh, be approved and then you get sorted into classes and um, I mean it's straight up Harry Potter yeah um, it's set I'm, I'm like it sounds like Harry Potter but I'm picturing some stuff from like not Civil War and the war that it broke out but it's like no you need to be government officiated you need to be this it's very much that and um, even if you're not licensed you can't use your powers in public even to stop a criminal um, <laughs> and so there's all this stuff and then the greatest superhero of all time in that series is called All Might and that's the guy that Vegeta voices and um, and it's it's a whole thing it's actually the chapter I'm writing for Faith and Fandom right now is I'm writing one on that but uh, it's you know it really delves into what makes a real hero and not just powers awesome. because the, the main character that it follows the little kid that it follows is one of the 20% that doesn't have powers. Um, and so he, he wants to be a superhero even though he doesn't have powers. Um, so it's just a good story, but also, like, on the manga thing, uh, One Punch Man is really fun. I, I haven't read, read, but I see One Punch Man showing up a lot online, so, like, at some point, I gotta, I gotta check this out. Um, it, it's worth it. I know it's on Hulu if you can get Hulu, but also one of the things I didn't realize, my local library, and I live in the smallest, poorest county in my region, uh, my local library has like literally all of everything. Nice. Um, when I, nice. Like, so, so every manga I could have, I could be familiar with was there. But um, So that's I've gotten a lot more anime and manga in in the last year than probably the rest of my life. Like, I did a uh, Attack on Titan, My Hero, One Punch Man, Death Notes, um, yeah. So a lot of that. Awesome. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. And heck, like I said, now I've got something to to take to work with me as well, which is great. And I, I like I haven't seen many anime shows, uh, manga. I've gotten into because of the Zelda ones. Where yeah, those are really good. Oh my goodness, yeah. Like I. I got to play Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask because I had an N64, and then I had a GameCube, but I wasn't gaming all that much, so, and now I've got a PS3 and PS4 because of the, the Arkham games, that's why I have those systems, yeah, yeah. and then seeing that it's in that comic format or similar one, I'm like, I love that medium because then you get the, the art, but the way to tell the story, and now I'm like, man, I want all the Zelda games in this format, just... Sorry, I, 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 I think I have I don't know if I've got any of the rest, but I really enjoy reading. Yeah, there. Are, I just read the one about four swords, and that one was really, really solid. And the Majora's Mask one also has a link to the past, which I didn't play any of the classic Zelda games, so it was an exposure to that. So that one was that one was a lot of fun. Uh. You've actually touched on the con circuit and just like some of the awesome experiences. And some of the response. What 
it's been the response uh, to faith and fandom and the growth from within the church and also from without it. And within the church, I mean, like, it's it's an out-of-the-box kind of norm from the normal quotations ministry. So yeah. I know with a friend of mine who's got one going for, for board games, uh, Cardboard Koinonia, at, yeah. he's gotten a lot of support, but then on the flip side at points someone's like, well, this isn't a this isn't a real ministry. You just want to hang out, kind of thing. So, like, discouraging a bit. Where it's so yeah. What's that re- response been like? Um, when I first started this, like, I didn't know of anyone else doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like, um, just being in my bubble, I didn't. I wasn't aware of anything else. Um, and oh, and since getting started and getting more involved, I see that I'm not the only one that thinks this way. Um. There have been a, and even in the last two years, there's been a boom in it of this is becoming more of a norm. Um, like, point in case, um, in my first book, I, I talk about uh, Breaking Bad. Not exactly nerdy, but it's what I was watching at the time. Um, there's science that counts. Um, and, Just thinking of the meme. <laughs> yeah. And so, I had a. Uh, I had Christian bookstores that were interested in carrying my books and they would, they got my books in the first book and, but then they returned them when they realized that Breaking Bad was it, even though I'd listed it and everything else, yeah. they wanted to return it because, uh, it was, no, sorry, that wasn't a bookstore. That was a church. They wanted to use it for curriculum and, um, but they returned it because, you know, it had Breaking Bad in it. Um, but then, literally, man, like two months later, we're at uh, Winter Jam, big music festival, Christian music festival, turns around, and that year at Winter Jam, they used clips from Breaking Bad as part of the gospel presentation. <laughs> and I was, I could, I was, could work from where I was sitting, I could see that church, their group that have returned the books because of the of Breaking Bad being involved, mm-hmm. clapping and applauding the message. I was like, <clears throat> it's not that, it's not that, you know, they were being hypocrites in it. It's the fact that it takes people a while to get the curb yeah. to, like, to see that. And, um, and I, I think we're getting to a point where it's becoming more normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I just posted on my Instagram and stuff the other day that um, we found a a Bible, uh, a, a mainstream Bible, the real Bible, um, with a Star Wars cover. Um, and it's it says, May the faith be with you. I saw right? that, yeah. And that, dude, that's a straight-up Bible at Walmart. Um, that's not... That's not like some nerdy Comic Con thing. That's on the shelves of Walmart where they're embracing nerd and faith together. And then, I mean... The ones who get it, get it. The ones who don't, don't. And, you know, this is this is a ministry for the ones who don't, or the ones who do or mm-hmm. don't yet get it. But it's growing to be such a, a more of a mainstream concept, um, like to the point that when I was doing this, there weren't enough people doing it. Now it's getting to the point that if I stop doing this, there's still going to be people doing this. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's like, cool, I can leave. Um but, you know, there's, there's people like Game Church. There's people like um, Nerd Chapel. Uh, 
Geeky Guys for God, uh, God Loves Geeks. I mean, there's a million <laughs> of these ministries now. And then um, of different podcasts and stuff to do this. And, you know, it's it's neat to see the culture rise up. And uh, in that, and I, I just, overall, it's been good. I haven't received a lot of negative awesome. uh, from the church. I've got a lot of questions, but not negative. And then one of our, one of my big moments, like, uh, uh, happened this summer with, um, Raleigh Supercon, a a big show in our area. Um, there is a, a paper, a newspaper type thing that goes out to all of the churches in my state called, uh, the biblical recorder. Okay. Um, so you're literally talking, you know, a hundred thousand churches. Um, (laughs) Something like that. They they, wow. they get they all get this newspaper, and they uh someone from that newspaper came to Comic Con specifically to sit in on my panel and to interview me at my booth, and they did like a cover story on it, and um and they fought to get in there too because uh, the show said sorry if your media organization has less than twenty thousand Facebook likes you're not allowed to represent. Um, wow, <laughs> and then but the the ladies like look, we have a hundred thousand people in churches that read this, but mm-hmm. not on. We've got like ten thousand people online. Like I'm only coming for this one thing, and I'm not going to go to any other celebrities. I'm literally coming just for this. Mm-hmm. And so that lady actually fought to be able to even get in there and do it. And um, so you know, the same churches that were looking at me like a weirdo or, you know, thought I was the devil or I'm trying to corrupt children or anything else, you know, whatever. The, the same ones that may have had the negative concepts, all of a sudden when it's handed to them in their official church paper, they're like, oh, look at this valid ministry. <laughs> and, um, and so, oh, you know, man. It, it's been that. And, you know, surprisingly, um, we haven't gotten a lot of ugliness from the con circuit either Praise from like non um we man i could probably i'm probably still on one hand the negative occurrences um wow maybe, that's awesome maybe, i may have just branched over to two um <laughs> like i had one guy you know shake my table and try to knock all the stuff off once like out of anger and um it's 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 probably been less than seven negative occurrences out of like 250 shows so I don't know if it's been that many, however many, 28 times four, I don't know, like 150. So there's, we probably had less than seven negative occurrences. That's um, awesome. We have, we've only had one con straight up say, no, you can't come. Okay. And so like out of, you know, when we, when we sign up for shows or stuff like that, we've only had one show actually tell us no, um, because they just didn't want Jesus stuff there. And I'm like, okay, fine, yeah. fair enough. But we, we do get shows now that call us specifically because they do want us there. Right. Um, we've even been, um, like, headline guests on a couple small shows. That's awesome. So, and um, we're getting uh, we're getting more cons that actually invite us to do chapels and services at, on site. Great. So, like, I think for, so far for 2018, we have five actual chapel services scheduled at cons. Um Oh, and this is really cool. Not the, one of the next shows I'm doing, um, like two or three shows from now, we're actually marrying a couple at the Comic-Con. What? On the stage floor 
of the Comic-Con in the middle of everything, and then they're getting married in cosplay. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> and so they're actually going to like announce it, like, hey, everybody come be a part of the wedding. So I get to do like a legit wedding at a Comic-Con, and so that'll be a first. Um, but yeah, and, and it's it's dudes that I've met doing Comic-Cons, like this couple that's like I know them as cosplayers, and um, actually, uh, we have a like a soundtrack mixtape, and it's the guy who does the spoken word on that is the guy getting married. Oh, um, cool! And so it, it's it's been neat, but the, the church response and the culture response is like we've got a lot of I don't understand it, but we've yeah. got a lot of ugliness. I mean, but then like literally, I live across the street from a church, like right off that window is an old school, super conservative Southern Baptist church that thinks I'm the devil. Right. Um, like I, I'm pure Satan and you know, it is, I, I can take that. Um, because I know the lives that are getting reached and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and what's that do and what that's doing. So that, well, I'm thrilled to hear that the responses and that you've shared how, how faith and fandom ha- has been reaching people. Uh, when I s- when I saw it, when uh, my buddy Matt um, from Cardboard Koinonia recommended it to me, and I'm not trying to slam anybody, it was just in the past. Some of my some of the stuff had been like kind of forced in and all that, but then as I'm reading it, and it's just stuff like seeing the seeing the gospel in Batman, I'm like, hold up, like I've been reading Batman a long time. I've been watching Batman. For ages, like, I grew up and will constantly revisit that amazing 90s show and then Justice League. But then seeing some of the traits that you've seen coming up, I'm like, this is awesome and this is excellent. And now when someone in the church is asking me about, like, comic book characters and they're like, oh, my kids are getting in comics. I'm like, who? I've got another thing to point them to and be like, hey, here's a conversation that you can have with them if you've read, like, read through this book. Because also... We're every parent's favorite booth. <laughs> Kids might hate us, but every parent loves us. Oh, well, and then, heck, the fun you could have with even that chapter alone from book three, like the four most Deadpool moments of the Bible. <laughs> like, I was cackling as I'm reading it. I'm like, perfect. If I saw some parents responding to Deadpool, I'm like, how did you miss that this was an R-rated movie? They went out of their way to do it, where now it's like, hey, Here's how you don't take them to Deadpool, but you can be like that. That was that was excellent. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, so then the final question I have is, what would you say to someone who's thinking about pursuing uh, a career it, or a vocation uh, in ministry, be it be it the traditional sense where it's like, I want to get into youth ministry or at a camp or something now, even though it's becoming more mainstream, something more outside the box, like, like you've done through faith and fandom as it's grown. Um, I would strongly suggest that if God's placed any kind of desire in your heart to do ministry, um, do it because, um, you know, outside of the ones that do it just for, you know, a cushy job or stuff like that, which very few ministry jobs are cushy. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, if God's placed that desire in your heart, it's probably there for a reason. And mm-hmm. I would say that this, that um, we all have a unique voice and a unique uh, 
place in the world when it comes to what we're interested in, what we're skilled in. And I think that uh, reaching out to the stuff that you're reaching out to and through the things that you're passionate about are going to be huge. Um, and because when you're authentic and when you're genuine, you know, there's going to be an opportunity to share in those things. So, you know, if I, I would say don't force it. Um, don't don't push it, you know, you know, and be patient with that. But um, you know, God's if, if, if you really do have that desire, then I, I think you pursue it. And um don't don't compromise mm-hmm. though. Um, because it's gonna be really easy to compromise sometimes to get something close to what you want, but not what you really want. Um, just if you, if you know what you need to do and what you're called to do, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes, you know, even one of the things with Faith Bainham, uh, my books aren't in Lifeway. Um, they're in Walmart, they're in Barnes and Noble, they're in all those places, but they're not in like Lifeway in Christian stores because those stores. Uh, had a process where I would have to weed out anything they felt remotely as not a cool subject to talk about. Um, hmm. So, and that would have meant like I had a, a one guy proof book one uh, just for content, and they said, you know, and they literally said eleven of these chapters are okay. Uh, come up with eleven more like these, but you can't talk about this subject matter. <clears throat> well, I knew that what I wanted to do was to minister to the people that actually had these fandoms and these things. And I was like, well, I can compromise and get bigger and have support in this area or I can do what I know I'm supposed to do. Right. Um, and so like, I, I would strongly suggest if you've got that, uh, uh, be, be patient and go with it. Um, but don't be afraid to fail. If you fail while being obedient, it's not failure. Um, if, if you feel called to do something and it doesn't result in the success you expect, it's still not failure. So um, I strongly suggest if, you, if you've got that calling, do it and be, be willing to uh, be willing to do that. Uh, there was um, one lady I met at a show and she's an, an Asian lady and she was standing across from my booth for man, like the better part of two hours, like wouldn't speak to me. I acknowledged her. Yeah. She would nod at me. She just stared at the booth for like two hours and make it was real creepy. Um, <laughs> and yeah. then she came up to me and she started crying and saying that, um, she didn't think that this type of ministry was possible because, um, you know, she, she literally was from China. She was going back to China. She was just in America for a show. And, um, she said that, you know, with her faith and, like, with manga and anime and the stuff, anime, the stuff that she was into, she didn't think that you could do that. Mm-hmm. And she just gave me a hug and said, you've shown me that you can redeem the culture. And so, like, Praise uh, the Lord, man. man, like, it was probably two and a half years later, like, I hadn't heard from this lady. She had all my contact info. Two and a half years went by, and she hit me up, and, um, that she had pursued it. She went back to China and she pursued it. And she had like 10 volumes of like manga that she had produced, like that present the gospel in storytelling form. And not like Bible, not like Bible stuff, just like it was very C.S. Lewis-y of like 
bringing the gospel in through that. And like she'd already like in that two year window, she put out ten volumes. Um, but she she had, and that's the thing, she had that calling to do it, but she she hadn't seen anyone succeed at it yet. Mm-hmm. So she was scared to do it herself. So I'd say that if you know you're called to something, don't be afraid if no one's succeeded at doing it yet. Mm-hmm. And if people have succeeded at doing it yet, or have already succeeded at doing it, don't let their success be a deterrent to you trying. Mm-hmm. Because I, I firmly believe that it doesn't matter if a million other people have had your same idea; they don't. They don't have your voice. Right. Uh, like right now, I could lay out five or six books that are like my books now. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that mean that they shouldn't do it because they're I've already done it, or because they've already done it? I should do it. No, it means we all have our different voices. Yeah. And they're going to reach different people, and so if if you feel called to a ministry. Find the unique aspect of you and your desires and what God has equipped you for to be able to do it. Um, there is a really cool book um, from Max Licato called Cure for the Common Life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Cure for the Common Life, it's almost like a formulaic thing about finding your ministry sweet spot, about where you'll be most happy in life, but not like a you know a self-help happy, but like, yeah. like what you'll be most... It's like, and it's a what you feel skilled in, what you're passionate about, and um, where you feel God move. And like finding where those three things intersect as mm-hmm. a guide to where you should be in ministry. And um, that was a real encouragement. Like reading that book was a real encouragement for me too. So um, yeah, as, if you feel called to ministry, uh, and you're, you know, you're either crazy or God's calling. So follow. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, either way, keep going. Awesome. Well, Hector, thank you so much uh, for doing this interview and uh, indulging. And I've loved getting to chat with you, and I feel like I've gotten to know you more. And you're you're somebody I look up to, and I I pray for your ministry. And I know others up here in Canada, friends of mine do as well. So thank you so much, man. It, it, Thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed talking to you and getting to share with you, man. Awesome. Well, and uh, we'll be we'll be praying uh, for for the next volume of the book and all the cons. And uh, if ever you come up to Canada, let me know. I'm going to make sure I'm at that con. <laughs> I'll, I, if bro, if I come to Canada, you will be the first to know. Oh yes. <laughs> and then should I ever be down in the states, I'm gonna. I don't get down there often. The only times I've been is uh, shopping over in Buffalo because I don't drive yet. And when I've had the uh, the blessed opportunity to go to Urbana and um, T for G. So yeah. should ever I get back down, I'm going to be like, hey, where you at? What cons you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to work an angle right now to get to Canada, and it may not work. Yes. But um, uh, Zachary Levi from Chuck and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Rapunzel, or Tangled and all that stuff. Tangled. Um, and isn't he also going to be... Uh, Shazam. Shazam, yeah, yeah. Or Captain he, Marvel, but we can't call him that now. No, no, it's... That, that name's dead. He's she's he's Shazam now. Right. Okay. They lost that, they lost that name in a legal battle. Yeah. Um, but um, he's actually in Canada right now, filming for the next four months. Okay. Um, if you follow his Instagram, he he uh got to, he's been in Canada for about since before Christmas. Okay. Um, but he's in Canada at least until April, filming Shazam. Um, Where are they filming in Canada? I don't know. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but 
<laughs> that voice uh, killed me. <laughs> uh, I I met I met him at DragonCon this year, and um, we talked about Faith and Fandom. I gave him a copy of book two because there's a Chuck chapter, mm-hmm. and like I've been like hitting him up on Instagram, and I'm you know. If a con happens somewhere in the next four months and he's there, I'm hoping like we can work something out. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? I don't. I don't think Zachary Levi's gonna magically fly me to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that'd be the best way to get to Canada. Fingers um, crossed, though. Fingers crossed, yeah. man. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. And I'm what I'm gonna make sure I do is because I post this on Podbean and then also on my uh, on my website. Uh, yeah. I'm going to include the links to uh, the Facebook, the Instagram, because I'm loving all the stuff on there. But also for the books, I know they're up on Amazon. So especially for Canada, I'm going to link the .ca websites. So, okay, awesome, man. Awesome. All right, well, thanks so much, sir. And uh, God bless, my friends. And thank okay. you, listeners, for listening. And make sure to check out the Faith and Fandom podcast. And also hit up their Instagram. And uh, you can check out what Vertical Church is doing on their website. I'll include that link as well. Thanks for listening and God bless. Hector Buds, take care, man. (laughs) All right. See you later, dude. See ya.